0: Welcome everybody to the Hammer and Rails Podcast with you as always. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I am excited. Oh, we gotta change up at the beginning there. Uh he's excited because it is championship week. Here on the Hammer and Rails podcast, Purdue, of course, heading to Indianapolis on Saturday to face the Michigan Wolverines in the Big Ten Championship game. First time Purdue has ever been uh, to the championship game in Indy. Uh, Before we get into the podcast, which we're going to talk about the Florida State game, uh, and then the vast majority of the podcast is going to be about the game against Michigan. Just, I mean, how excited are you, Ryan, for this game?
1: Ooh, I get to come home and watch postseason football in Indianapolis it's it's great
0: yeah so you you have decided you are making the drive do you have a ticket yet
1: I do I actually uh bought
0: it today okay um where are you sitting
1: I believe section
0: 403 so where I mean where is Somewhere that is right that a sideline is that a corner where are we talking
1: honestly I could not tell you <laughs> I'm going with a group and they kind of just said all right we got the tickets and pay me back
0: okay so that worked out well how many people are you going with
1: Um, I think the group is at least four or five and then, um, so probably meet up at the somewhere in Indy before the game and then head on over.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I, um, we got approved for our credential on, the on Tuesday, which was the day they sent out everybody's approval, uh, got approved for parking. So that's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, get a park right there next to Lucas oil. So don't have to hassle with all that. And then, um, you know, the game is at 8. I don't know what time I'm going to get down there yet. Um, I think I'm actually carpooling with a friend of mine. So it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of Boilermakers down there, a lot of events. Uh, there's, the, of course, the official tailgate that is at the convention center. And then the Big Ten has their own event. I believe it was on Georgia Street. So, it, you know, if you walk around anywhere downtown, I'm sure you'll run into something that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, we're going to hold off on the rest of that. We're going to get to that in the second half of the podcast. First, let's talk Purdue's victory over Florida State in the last, the very last, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, unfortunately for the Big Ten, they uh, come out of the challenge a uh, loser of the last one. ACC was victorious this year. Uh, but Purdue pulled their weight, uh, final score 79-69 to over a really not good Florida State team. They're now 1-8, but they sure gave Purdue fits. So Ryan, what was it about this Florida State team that caused so much trouble for Purdue?
1: Oh, for one, they had a center who was seven foot four.
0: Yeah, un- well. unreal. So
1: just unprecedented length and pressure put on Purdue. And let's be honest, doing a cross from Oregon to Florida with a stop in Indiana is not too uh, not too easy for most people.
0: Yeah, that's exhausting, so, especially. I mean, this was their fourth game in seven days, so I know. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they're they're young, in shape athletes, and it's different for them than it is for you and me. But that's still going to get to you uh, as the days go on. So, kudos to them for having the legs to even complete this game, and they d- certainly did look like they had tired legs. Um, one thing that lo- people always tell you is one way you can tell a team has tired legs is how they do at the free throw line. Uh, Purdue was 22 of 31, which is still you know a decent 71 percent. But a few of those were front end of 1-1s, one and ones, which you know is never good, takes away those opportunities for you. Uh, but we'll take the 10-point victory. So um, it's, it is what it is. We knew this was going to be, I think, a lot of people thought, a trap game for Purdue just because they're coming off those huge games in Portland and then uh, kind of a letdown against Florida State before Big Ten season begins. But overall, I mean, I think Purdue played well. Zach Eady, another monster game, 33 minutes including 25 points, uh 8 rebounds, one block, uh, and still just two turnovers. So he's he's really doing a, a great job especially with those huge number of minutes he's playing.
1: Yeah, and it was a lot of that was further in the game because or Mich- er, Florida State came out with a plan. They were not going to let the Purdue guards get the ball down low to Zach Eady and let him go to work. And it worked for a majority of the first half, until Zach Eady started getting going. Mm-hmm. You could tell the Florida State defense just was worn down, and they aren't too, too deep. So they just wore the Florida State defense down, and then Zach Eady was just able to go over the top and get
0: down low and do what he wanted to. Yeah, I was amazed. Purdue started the game, I think, the first four minutes or so, Zach Eady didn't even get a touch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were relying on jump shots. We were relying on three-pointers. Um, I think Fletcher Lawyer hit that first three of the game. But I-, I was amazed that, you know, Painter didn't say from the sideline, you know, get Zach the ball, give him a touch to get it going, mm-hmm. um, since so much of the Purdue offense runs through him. Um, ultimately, you know, it, it like you said, he did get going once he came back in uh, from his first breather there. But I, I that definitely surprised me. Um, But overall, I think, you know, the offense looked choppy. The defense had some lapses, but they stepped up when they needed to. And again, I mean, the freshmen for Purdue, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, uh, were the other two guys who were in double figures. Smith had 13, Lawyer had 11. And it's not just their points either. I mean, Braden Smith, nine rebounds, seven assists, one steal. Fletcher Lawyer, four assists and 11 points. I mean, these guys, and and no turnovers for Lawyer, so these guys are just doing everything we could have possibly imagined them to do, and it's been absolutely wonderful to watch. Not to mention five of those rebounds for Braden Smith
1: were on the offensive glass. Yeah. He knows where to be and where to clean up those rebounds. It's uncanny how good he is at finding the little space that they leave but it just happens to be the correct spot to pull down a board. And when he does pull down boards, he is very talented at pushing the ball. So Florida State was pressing the entire game, and he knew if you get a rebound, if you uh, push fast enough, they cannot put as much pressure on you. And it started to open up the offense. You saw with Braden Smith, he was able to get through the press, but once he started to active push past before they could get set, it was so much simpler on the offense. It took about or it gave you about an extra four to five seconds per possession, which is absolutely like critical to have those yeah, uh, that time in possession,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean the the team, even even in a game like this, where ultimately, it's it was a victory, but it was ugly. It was a bit of a rock fight. There were still so many bright moments and still so much optimism about what this team can be because they truly aren't fully formed yet. You know, they're sitting at 7-0, uh, fifth ranked team in the nation, but they are so young and so new as a as a team that there's there's just no telling where they can go at this point. And to continue to see them grow each and every game really is gonna be, I think, one of the most exciting parts of this season, in my opinion. So um, did you happen to see what uh, Zach Eadie texted to his teammates after um, as they were heading to Florida State?
1: I read it, but I can't remember it verbatim. I just know that Zach Eadie is a really good leader.
0: Yeah. So see, here's what it is. This was from uh, Kelly Hallinan um, on Twitter. She's a sports anchor for WLFI. Uh, Braden Smith said that Zach Eadie sent out a text to the team after Purdue jumped to the number five ranking. Quote, we got to keep our poise and keep our heads in it. Don't let all this media get to our heads. Keep doing our thing defensively and offensively, and things are going to fall, end quote. And I absolutely love that because Zach Eady remembers what happens what happened last year when this team got ranked number one and then immediately lost their game, their next game uh, to Rutgers. Uh, granted, it was on a you know a last-second heave from Rutgers, but a loss is still a loss. And to be ranked number one and then immediately lose, uh, I'm sure that hurt a lot. Uh, so to go up from 24th to 5th, you know, Edie knew this is their opportunity. They've got to keep going. And he took it upon himself to help this team stay focused, and I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah, and it's something that... Unfortunately, you just didn't really see last year. Edie wasn't in the position to be the you know, the that big of a leader. It's very clear he is the leader of this team this year.
0: Yeah, and without a doubt.
1: It's it just it trickles down all the way. This team is absolutely bought in and it's going to pay dividends later on in the season. Um if you stay focused and just keep doing what you're supposed to doing or supposed to be doing you will get results now are you going to mess up yeah it's going to happen we all know that but to stay focused and stay driven on what coach painter has taught you because this is a coach painter staple is he he knows that you have to stay focused if you continue to do that you are going to go far
0: yeah yeah so the sky seems to be the limit for this team so they walk out of Tallahassee with a victory. And Ryan, can you tell me where they head next? They get
1: to head home.
0: Thank goodness.
1: <laughs> oh, and it's. They're going to enjoy sleeping in their own
0: beds. Yeah. Yeah. So the next game uh, for this team is Sunday. They play. Uh, they open Big Ten play against Minnesota. It's actually a bobblehead giveaway day uh, if you are in West Ooh. Lafayette and heading to the game. Uh, Terry Dishinger bobblehead. So, uh, Go out there, be there early, and get one of those. I love me a good bobblehead. Um, (laughs) Minnesota, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the Big Ten. So you love opening uh, the conference season at home with what should be a very winnable game. Uh, Ryan, can you tell me anything about Minnesota?
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head. They are not very good. (laughs) I mean, this Minnesota just hasn't found its footing ever since the— a uh, little
0: Patino debacle. Bad, so, that was a bad hire from the jump.
1: Uh, the Big Ten has several bad hires. Yeah. Wouldn't know what that's like in basketball. Yes, yeah, luckily. Luckily.
0: Um, <laughs> now, football, that's another story.
1: Yeah, you know. Um. So this Minnesota team, they've had transfers in, transfers out, and it's just like a revolving door of players. And you can't really get a glimpse as to – what they're truly about they do have two um their leading scorer is dawson garcia at a little over 14 points a game he's six eleven, so i had to bring that up so of course it's just uh, minnesota's not very good and what else is there to say they they've struggled throughout the year i mean they have a decent win over central michigan and Western Michigan, they're good against Michigan teams. Well, there you go. So maybe they'll actually play regular Michigan and do well. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, m- regular Michigan not doing very well in basketball this year either, so who knows there. Uh, yeah. So this is a this is a game where Purdue should hopefully be able to, you know, take, take a day or so off to get some rest, get everybody back in their own beds, feel a little more comfortable and rested, and then come out Sunday after hopefully watching – the Purdue football team win the Big Ten title, come out on Sunday and just have uh, a game where they can get back to how they were playing in Portland. Come out of a game one and zero in Big Ten play and just set the standard for where they're going uh, in Big Ten season. Because I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to see this team take on the rest of the Big Ten. There's a lot of a lot of good players in the Big Ten this year, and I'm anxious to see how this new team does against them.
1: Yeah, and you can't wait for Big Ten season this year. I mean, just just the matchups you can see this season are going to be great. I mean, when was the last time we had a potential top ten matchup between Purdue and IU, and you get that twice. So it's going to be such a fun season, and this team looks geared to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I want to say somebody tweeted about when the last time that was, and I want to say it was like nineteen. 88 maybe um i'm probably getting that wrong but you know it's it should make for some interesting interesting trash talk interesting matchups could be another season where each of us wins at home so it's it's going to be a fun season in the big 10 i think a lot more fun than most of us thought it was going to be before we went out to portland and truly saw what this team could be so i think Hmm. i think that's enough on basketball we're going to take a break Come back, and then it is time to talk about the Big Ten Championship game coming up this Saturday against Michigan. Boy. And we are back. So before we talk about the Big Ten Championship game, I want to correct myself. It was 1998 the last time. Uh, Purdue and Indiana were both ranked in the top ten, not 1988, so I misspoke there. Um, That would have been the Brian Cardinal, Jerron Cornell team uh, for Purdue. And if you're wondering who was on that IU team, it would be guys whose name you might remember, Luke Recker or A.J. Guyton uh, were on that team. So those were some some battles between those folks. But now, it is championship week, as we mentioned at the top. Ryan and I will both be in attendance at this game. And before we get into details about who is playing, uh, what do we think of the matchups, make our predictions... I would just like to take a moment, and Ryan, I'll let you go second, because uh, I didn't tell you we were going to do this. I just want to take a second to just say how awesome this is. It, mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, I mean, yeah, okay, it matters to me if Purdue gets their ass kicked. It'll, it'll make the game a lot worse, and the memory will be a little bit, you know, different. But I didn't expect this team to get here. I didn't expect, really, to ever be able to watch Purdue in a Big Ten football championship game. If you would have asked me during the Danny Hope years or the Daryl Hazel years if this was going to happen, I'd have said absolutely not. I didn't know how low we were going to get during the Hazel years. Um, Some of the worst football I've ever seen Purdue play, if not the worst. And to see Jeff Brom come in and turn it around in, you know, five, six years, however long he's been here now, um, has been a real joy to watch. You know, it's been frustrating at times, but that's just sports you're never going to have a team that doesn't have frustrating games, that doesn't have frustrating moments. But I remember watching Joe Tiller teams and I watched them get to the Rose Bowl. Um I did not go to the Rose Bowl um unfortunately, but I remember watching that game and when we lost it was like, "Oh, that's okay, we'll be back." You know, I didn't think anything of it. I was mm-hmm. young, dumb, and naive. Mm-hmm. And and now Purdue is one game away from going to the Rose Bowl and i think we just need to take a step back and just appreciate how awesome this is how fun this is and even though it may be frustrating it may turn out to be a difficult game we're going to go down to indy we're going to hang out with a bunch of fellow boilermakers we're going to have some drinks we're going to have some food and we're going to have a whole hell of a lot of fun and no matter what happens in the game nothing's going to take that away and i'm just really really truly excited to hop on a plane tomorrow and head back to indiana and enjoy this game with with people who you know have the same passion as you and I so I just wanted to get that out of the way I'm really really excited about that um Ryan I assume you feel the same way
1: I do and like you said Purdue came into the season with so much hype like at the beginning of the season you thought okay this could be it you never really thought this will be it especially not after the Wisconsin and Iowa back-to-back games and then it's just it's the most it's It's Purdue. They go back on the upswing. They get there with some help. And you're not going to complain. This team has done what it was supposed to do. It won key games. It won when it needed to. And it did get to the Big Ten Championship game. Who cares about the rest of the Big Ten West? Purdue did what it needed to do. So, I don't know that this will ever happen again, especially with the new teams coming into the Big Ten. There may not even be divisions going forward, at which point it'll be a four-team race, and Purdue's not one of those four teams usually. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So I'm going to treat this as the only opportunity that I will have to see the Purdue Boilermakers play for the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis. And then should they get to the Rose Bowl? Should that miracle happen? I will treat that as one of the last times Purdue will be able to go to the Rose Bowl, especially with the new news about the playoffs or yeah. whatever yeah. that may be.
0: Yeah. And, so, I, and there's been a lot of people freaking out online about um, the Rose Bowl not taking Purdue if they win. Uh, but that has been misconstrued and misinterpreted because if Purdue. Contract's
1: a contract.
0: Yeah, exactly. If Purdue wins uh, on Saturday. They are going to the Rose Bowl. Uh, The Rose Bowl is contractually obligated to take the Big Ten champion um, if they are not in the college football playoff. So there is no way that if Purdue wins, they do not go to the Rose Bowl. I mean, they are going to the Rose Bowl if they win. So um, to anybody freaking out about that, that was merely a question of if they would take Penn State or Ohio State if Michigan wins. Uh, Because Michigan, obviously, if they win, will go to the college football playoff, and that would then free up the Rose Bowl to choose whoever they would like. Um, There's some some additional language in the contract, but they have a language regarding if there's a cluster, uh, and that's the actual word in the contract, of teams who they can choose. And since Ohio State has been there more recently, there was discussion of them taking Penn State instead, so... Nothing to do with Purdue in that scenario. So Purdue fans should be ready to go to Pasadena on Saturday. Uh, if, by Saturday, if they, if they pull out the victory over Michigan. So all that preamble out of the way, um, this is going to be a hell of a tough game. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, Michigan is a good football team. They're good at every position. They don't really have a, a glaring flaw or a glaring weakness. So, Ryan, what can Purdue do to make this a game? I mean, what did Illinois do to almost beat Michigan uh, that Michigan had to win on a last-second field goal? I mean, we beat Illinois, um, so, I mean, that makes me think it's not impossible. Uh, What did Illinois do, or what can Purdue do to keep this a game? So I
1: think if you're Purdue, what you have to do first and foremost is keep the ball in J.J. McCarthy's hands. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is a top three quarterback in the Big Ten. So that sounds almost blasphemous to say that you want him to keep
0: the ball. Yeah, I'm but, confused as to where you're going here, but I'm just going to let you keep going.
1: For sure. You want him to have the ball because if he hands the ball off to his running okay. backs, All right. they are some of the best in the country. So we know now that Blake Corum will not be playing in this game. He's having surgery and his season is over. But their second string running back, um, Donovan Edwards has almost 700 yards rushing as a backup running back this season. So for context, he only has about a hundred less yards than Devin Maccabee and Devin maccabee has been starting for about six, six straight games at least. So He's still he's still got some juice to him, Donovan Edwards does. He's averaging 7.5 yards per rush. Oh, my. Yeah. And he still has six touchdowns this season. Now, losing Blake Corum is obviously still a big deal. But, like I said, you want J.J. McCarthy to have to beat you. And the problem with that is J.J. McCarthy is a mobile quarterback. He is able to move around. He's able to escape the pocket. And he has thrown for 17 touchdowns against only two interceptions this year. So, not great. Yeah. But, it's been said, not by all, but it has been said that J.J. McCarthy has some trouble with the deep ball. Yes. Yeah. It's nothing else, that is the glaring weakness of Purdue's, sec- or Purdue's defense. So, in theory purdue's weak weakest point and michigan's weakest point clash
0: so that helps yeah yeah uh the running back situation is almost seems unfair you know you lose Corum, who is just all conference level running back in fact he was i think first team um and then they just replace him with a guy who if, you know, not as good is pretty darn close. 98 to 99% as good. Mm-hmm. And you saw that when he ran all over Ohio State last week in their rivalry game. You know, stepped onto the biggest stage of the Big 10 and just absolutely dominated uh the Ohio State defense. So, it's not as if, you know, they're they're running at a scrub out there, but I guess you would you would rather face the second stringer than the first stringer because, you know, the first stringer's out there for a reason, but uh, there is some solace in that, but man, uh, this Michigan team—they've got—they've got, they've got a good quarterback. They got good running backs. The defense—I think Harbaugh called it the no-star defense because there's no one who really stands out like they have had in the past. But they—they're they're just solid at every position, and that almost might be scarier uh, from my perspective because you know if you are playing a team with a star defensive end. You can try to scheme away from him. You can go to the opposite side. You can throw in extra blockers to try to slow that guy down. But if they're solid at each and every position, it makes everybody's job that much more difficult. And I don't know that there's a way to scheme around that because everybody who you scheme around, there's going to be someone there filling in those gaps and taking up those assignments that you're you know, messing about. And it uh, it's going to be tough to score points on this Michigan team. You know, even even Illinois, who kept it close, it's not like they scored a ton of points against them.
1: Yeah. And this Michigan team, it's one defensive flaw, if you can call it a flaw, is that they have only forced 13 turnovers this season. So I know over one a game is still, you know, nothing to turn your nose up to. But they are not forcing it as much as you'd expect a team of this caliber. Right. So you have to somehow – you have to protect the ball at all costs against this team because in the times they do force turnover, they obviously can make you pay on their offense. But this team does not allow that many points. They have allowed more than 20 points only twice on the year, once to Maryland, and who scored 27, and to Ohio State last week, who scored 23. And those are two of the better offenses, if not the, you know, two top five offenses in the Big Ten. So they know how to get you, how not to get you to score. Yeah. They are not allowing teams in the red zone, and they are just absolutely smothering you on defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, too. You look at their record this year. Obviously, they're 12-0, but the two closest games they had were – uh, versus Maryland, and that one was, was in Ann Arbor, 34-27, to and then another home game versus Illinois, 9-17. So those are obviously two opponents that Purdue also played, two opponents that Purdue also beat. So I would assume if I'm Jeff Brom, I'm watching the Maryland film, I'm watching the Illinois film, and I'm trying to see what they did, not only to slow down the Michigan defense, but or I'm the Michigan offense, but to see what they did against a Michigan defense, as we said, who doesn't really have very many flaws, um, you know, 19-17 would be an absolute miracle of a score for Purdue because that means you're <laughs> keeping it within one possession, and it, you know, whoever gets the ball last could ultimately win that game. So, I mean, that that would absolutely be huge. I think the spread on this game is is 15 and a half or 16 points at this point. Um, so people not giving Purdue much of a chance. But I want to be optimistic. I want to say that Purdue, you know, they've gotten to this point. They have a puncher's chance uh, in this game. we got to hope that the offensive line can hold up. Uh, Losing Gus Hartwig obviously is a huge blow. we got to hope that um, AOC comes back. Uh, I know he was back at practice yesterday um, after going to deal with some family issues after the passing of his brother. But, you know, he he has to play the best game of his life uh, if Purdue is going to win this game. And one, one more important piece, I think, is, is Jeff Brom. I give Jeff Brom a lot of crap on this podcast uh, about his play calling, about his mental lapses, and then his complaints about, I wish I would have you know taken advantage of their weaknesses, or I wish I would have run the ball. We got away from the running game. Um, he has got to have a rock-solid game plan. He has got to know that this isn't a game where Purdue is going to win if they try to just play the game straight up. Purdue has to figure out wrinkles. They have to figure out maybe trick plays. They have to go for it on difficult situations. Um, They can't, you know, be doing any surrender punts out there. They've got to go for it on difficult fourth downs. They've got to find a way to put points on the board. And they they have to take risks. That's the only way, only way I can see Purdue winning this game. And if Jeff Brom doesn't play that way, he's, I think, going to be in for a world of hurt.
1: Absolutely. And it's so nice that you know that jeff Brom can do that he absolutely can he's got one of the most creative playbooks even if he doesn't use it very often in the country he is able to draw plays like no one else in the country and you know that if he decides to use it the offense will really the offense will be able to just throw some curveballs at the Michigan defense, and that's all you have to ask for. You know that if you're going to pass, pass, run, or pass, run, pass three straight times, this Michigan defense is just going to take over. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you're absolutely correct. And Aiden O'Connell will have to have a similar performance like last year's Music City Bowl for Purdue to have even a chance he has to go out there swinging and Purdue has to make these big plays they cannot just be lulled to sleep because they absolutely will be if they allow it now also against Purdue is Michigan's kicker who won the um, college football kicker of the year last year right and you know just stack another card against Purdue but it's it is such an uphill battle against this team. Jim Harbaugh has probably the best team of his tenure at Michigan, and they know where they should be. They think they should be the number one team or right up there with Georgia. And if they play like it, it's bad news. Yeah, but I love, I love I
0: love I love a but. Let's see what we got here.
1: For sure, there is the small chance that Michigan might just start to overlook Purdue. Right. I say that because many people think Michigan is just, they're already locked into the playoff. Right,
0: right. That this game now, doesn't I don't mean think, anything for them.
1: Right. I don't think Jim Harbaugh being Jim Harbaugh would even remotely allow that. But, hey, that's, that's a tendency of teams. Sometimes you overlook people. Sometimes you start looking down the road just a little bit and, that team like Purdue can come and come and knock you on your butt.
0: Yeah, and they've all I mean, they've also got some distractions around them right now. Um They do. You, you know, um their former starting quarterback entered the transfer or last year's starting quarterback entered the transfer portal, actually just announced uh today that he's signing with Iowa. Uh so Iowa you know,
1: gets another non mobile quarterback.
0: <laughs> it's it's really just right up their alley. Um And then, of course, they've got the quorum injury, which is is not good for anybody. Uh, You really hope Mm -hmm. he has a good recovery. Uh, And then you've got, is it Maisie Smith, uh, the nose tackle, who it was announced today has been uh, charged with a uh, weapons weapons felony uh, regarding uh, some gun crime, Uh, Mm -hmm. something about a permitting issue. uh, I'm not sure what that is. So Harbaugh had to put out a statement about that, and so did the athletic director. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the Michigan program right now. Your hope, if you're Purdue, is like you said, that there's a little bit of a distraction. They're looking ahead. Um, I've even, when I talked with the folks over at uh, Maze and Brew, Michigan Sports Blog Nation representative, they talked about maybe some of the the big guns from Michigan might even like rest this game, Um, especially before they knew, especially before they knew. the severity of Coram's injury, they thought that Harbaugh might just hold him out entirely because ultimately they thought, like you did, you know, they thought probably they can win with their second string anyway at the running back position, but also they're probably going to get in the college football playoff regardless of what happens to this game. Um, So, you know, there's a a lot of possibilities there that things could fall and produce favor, but it's just a matter of do they? You know, do those things happen? Does Purdue go in there on fire and does Michigan come in distracted and overlooking Purdue? Plus it has to be said, Jeff Brom has done a great job, a great job against top ranked in his time at Purdue. I mean, we don't need to uh, go very far back in history to talk about the win over Ohio state, the win over Iowa, the win over Michigan state last year. Um, You know, these are, these are all just in the last few seasons. So, Jeff Brom seems to know what he's doing when his team is unranked and he's going up against a top ranked team. So to my point earlier, I mean, I think he knows he can't really play it safe as he's shown in the past. So those are things that do give me a little bit of hope. Is there anything else in your mind um, from either a personnel standpoint or just a screw it? I've got a feeling standpoint that that gives you hope about this game.
1: Well, we always have that screw it. I got a feeling. We're Purdue fans. (laughs) That's right. But so, I know this is Charlie Jones' second to last game. I said this last week, and Charlie Jones and Aiden O'Connell may just try and go for broke in this one. Just one last hurrah. So, I like that, and I've been saving this the whole podcast. Okay. I truly just want Michigan to have a little bit of tunnel vision. Pun huh. Pun intended. <laughs>
0: Oh, I think that might be too soon. I think that might be too ah. soon. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Which it makes it it makes it so um I maybe ironic is the word that, you know, Harbaugh made all those statements after the the tunnel incident with Michigan State, which by the way was horrendous, and I'm glad to see those yes. Michigan State players getting charged um about, you know, there must be accountability, there are rules, blah blah blah. And now he's got a nose tackle who is facing felony weapons charges. And it's like, well, let's let the justice system play out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, rules for thee, not for me, but that's, you know, I don't want to disparage Harbaugh too much because that's not just him. That's pretty much every college football coach who's getting paid millions of dollars. You know, they always want everybody else to be punished, but when it comes to them, you know, they're different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So um, want to you know, make that clear, but I, Again, I, I want to reiterate how excited I am to be down in Indy uh, to see this game, and I do think it's going to be a lot of fun. I just hope that Purdue doesn't get immediately punched in the mouth. My fear, my big fear, is that you know Michigan gets the ball first and just you know takes it down immediately, scores two or three plays, takes all the wind out of the Purdue sails. And we just get into a slog from then on out. You know, I want to mm-hmm. at least be able to enjoy the game for a little bit. I know it's going to be tough. I know Michigan is very good. Um, but there is just, for whatever reason, there's a part of me that believes we can do this.
1: As I believe the same thing. Um, it's a small part, but yes. it's a part. Yeah, yeah. So, And this will actually be the first time I step foot into Lucas Oil Stadium. So that's going to be exciting.
0: Okay. Not a so, Colts not a Colts fan or just not a pro football fan?
1: I'm a Bears fan. Oh unfortunately. That's
0: right, that's right. yeah. So yeah.
1: And uh, unfortunately I had to miss the Purdue Louisville football game. Uh was that was Jeff's first game?
0: Remember. I don't even remember sounds right. Um mm-hmm. I the only times I've been to Lucas Oil, I saw the Purdue Notre Dame game when it was there a few years back. And okay. then I went to the Purdue or Purdue I wish for uh, the Butler <laughs> uh, the Butler Duke uh, championship game the one okay. where uh, Butler missed the half court shot to win. Um, a buddy of mine had an extra ticket and I wound up behind the goal uh, about you know twenty thirty rows but behind the goal where the uh, three point shot was coming. So that was a fun experience too. So this will, I think if I'm remembering correctly will only be the second football game I've seen at Lucas Oil. So. Okay. Um, I'm excited to be there. It's a, it's a nice stadium. Um,
1: I'm, you, I've been right outside. I've been to GameBridge Fieldhouse like okay. 60 times. I just have never been into Luke's oil. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, ni- it's a, it's a nice arena. Um, nice stadium. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you want to go on the record and make our predictions, uh, of what we think is going to happen at this game? Are you going to, and are you going to go full Homer or are you going to actually try to get it right? See,
1: sometimes when I call a Purdue loss, it actually helps. So uh, I I'll let you go first. Okay. But I will also I'll still make a prediction.
0: Okay. So I I as I said I, I went back and forth with questions with the guys from uh Maze and Brew, the, the Michigan sports blog nation reps, and I one of the things I said is Purdue has had a lot of injuries lately Uh, Hartwig is out. We don't know if Branson Dean is going to be playing. Uh, He was listed as questionable and Brom didn't seem too optimistic. I think his loss hurts a lot. And uh, I was forced to give a prediction to them earlier in the week. And so I'm going to stick with that prediction. I'm going to go Michigan 42, Purdue 21. Uh, I just think Michigan is too talented. I think they're too good of a team. Uh, It's no slight to Purdue. It's just Michigan is on a whole other level. Um, and I think Purdue can find a way to make it close, make it entertaining for a little while. But I think ultimately Michigan is going to pull away. Uh, for okay. what do you think is going to happen, Ryan? Give me some good news. Give me, give me, give me an upset. I every part of me
1: wants me to go logical on this, but <laughs> and you know, you love a good butt. I have to go Purdue forty-one, Michigan
0: thirty-five. Wow, you're going for it. I love it. Tell me more. Tell me more. How do we get there? What happens?
1: Aiden O'Connell has the or the best game of his career, throws for over 400 yards. Devin Mockaby hits 1,000 yards for the season, and they force three Michigan turnovers.
0: Yeah, I mean, that seems like that's about what it would take to get that against this Michigan team. So would mm-hmm. love to see it. I would much rather you be right and me be wrong. Um, so one more question. If, if Purdue's getting 41, what is Charlie Jones doing in this game?
1: Charlie Jones is going for 11,
0: 131, and two TDs. Very nice. Um, I think he, again, even though I've only got Purdue scoring 21 points, I think, as you said, him and AOC, such a connection. Uh, it seems like he really was going to continue to be uh, fed the ball. But I will go nine receptions, I'll go 98 yards and a touchdown. So mm-hmm. I, I do think he'll have a pretty good game. But again, it's a it's a pretty good Michigan defense. So there you have it, folks. Ryan picking Purdue to pull the upset. I would love for him to be right when we chat next on Sunday. Um, you know, for anybody who is going to the game, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. I uh, would love to say hi to some folks. Um, hit the Hammer and Rails Twitter account, or uh, you know, hit up Ryan or uh, Jed. Will also be there. Um, I think our newest writer, Gabby, will also be in attendance. I don't know if she's going to the game. She might just be going to tailgate. Um, not sure if she had a ticket. But you know, we would love to say hi to some fans. Uh, you know, chat with you before the game. I think all of us are planning on being there a little early to enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy everything that's going on in downtown Indy. So if you know, if you want to say hi, if you want to. Uh, chat about Purdue we would love to do so so feel free to reach out on Twitter Um, Ryan anything else anything specific you're looking forward to what time are you planning on getting there
1: I am actually driving out tomorrow tomorrow being Friday night so I will be at my girlfriend's sister's house in Lawrence okay uh, tomorrow night and so I'll be there on all all morning
0: excellent excellent so I'm really looking forward to it um, I mean, what you know? What else is there to say? We're we're this is this is playing with house money right now, and just go mm-hmm. out there and let's shock the world. You know, why not us? Why not? Boiler up, hammer down. Hell, hell.